Welcome to the ACFCS Financial Crime Cast, a briefing featuring the latest news, analysis, and guidance across the financial crime spectrum. I'm Brian Spoda Kindle, VP of Product Development with ACFCS, and thanks for joining us today. We're exploring the fast growing, complex, and often confusing world of industrial hemp today. The global industrial hemp market is projected to grow from $4.7 billion in 2019 to $26.6 billion by 2025 in the next five years or so. This represents an opportunity, but also a potential compliance headache for financial institutions interested in servicing this space. Why is that the case? Well, as many of our listeners know, hemp comes from the cannabis plant, the same source of a very famous drug that remains illegal under federal law in the United States, along with many other countries. Hemp itself is not illegal, and along with other uses, it's the source for CBD oil, a booming consumer product with a variety of applications. However, different states have different regulations on hemp. So-called hot hemp can sometimes tip over into illegal territory, and there's a whole host of other compliance concerns. Are you confused yet? Uh, Fortunately, we have a well-informed guide to the world of hemp and commercial banking in the form of Amanda DuPont, who's going to help walk us through this. She's a public records product expert with Thomson Reuters, and she's going to give us some key insights on why hemp is such a hot topic right now, the legal background on banking hemp, and considerations for financial institutions. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to welcome you back on the Financial Crime Cast. Uh, avid listeners may remember you from, I think, the last presentation we did on uh, on economic crime issues in uh, government relief programs related to the pandemic, specifically public pri- the the uh, PPP program, the Paycheck Protection Program in the U.S., uh, as well as some others like the the Main Street Lending Program that we looked at. So, in any case, welcome back. Uh, Thanks for being here. Appreciate the time and insights. Uh, And if you don't mind, just maybe giving the audience a little bit of background on yourself uh, and particularly, you know, why you've uh, what you've been uh, looking at in this space related to hemp and commercial banking. Yeah, thanks for having me today, Brian. Sure. I am what's known as a public records product uh, specialist, which means I'm essentially an expert in our public records databases globally. I'm an attorney by background, and I've been with Thomson Reuters for a long time and a long-time attorney myself, so about way too many decades experience in the space, not in this particular (laughs) and banking that we're going to cover today, but essentially anything related to public records has been my focus. Excellent. And uh, attorney is 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 a applicable field for this topic because uh, sometimes it feels like you need to be an attorney to navigate some of the laws, legislations, regulations around uh, around hemp in the United States. So let's start there, uh, and let's just you know take a look at why this is a topic of conversation. Why 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 are we talking about hemp in the context of commercial banking? Uh, what's going on with the industry? And uh, maybe after we, we kind of give a little bit of an overview, we can shift to look at some of the recent guidance that just came out from, I believe, FinCEN uh, earlier this summer. So let's let's start with that. Why is why is hemp such a hot topic right now? Yeah, good question. Um, and something I swear I see every day 
um, someone in the financial institution space wanting to know about a hemp customer. So really what happened is in late 2018, the Farm Bill passed, and it essentially made hemp legal. Hemp used to be considered, um, you know, a controlled substance, so a Schedule One controlled substance. But starting in 2019, that wasn't the case. So the hemp industry was born. And let's just quickly define what hemp is versus marijuana. Hemp is uh, a variety, you know, it's, it's essentially cannabis that contains 0.3 THC or less dry weight. So 0.3 THC equals or under equals cannabis. Marijuana is used to classify cannabis that contains more than 0.3 THC dry weight. So hemp becomes this expanding market. Um, and if you've ever heard of CBD oils, and we all have heard about CBDs, both hemp and marijuana can derive CBD. So that stands for cannabidiol, I want to say. I'm not going to promise I can pronounce all of our, our terms <laughs> correctly here. I, bet, but, I think um, you're right about that, you know, though. I think it's cannabidiol. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. So hemp is legal, and the space is growing. It's expanding in so many areas. You know, I just looked at some quick stats, and globally, hemp was at about $4.7 billion in 2019, and it's expected to be almost $27 billion by 25, um, 2025. So you can just see that it's, you know, a huge manufacturing, growing retailer space right now. Got it. Makes sense. And, and so, you know... Uh... What do we have for guidance, right? So the farm bill passed. Uh, this took, you know, hemp. This basically legalized hemp or allowed for the legal production of hemp at scale. Um, and so, what did this guidance say? And and uh, what do you know financial institutions in particular need to be aware of in relation to it? Yeah, so it is interesting because I feel like there's a lot of agencies, you're right when you say, you know, a legal background to kind of just even try to understand and graph out what's going on here. You have marijuana, you have hemp, um, you have you have something like the Farm Bill. So what the Farm Bill did is say hemp producers, manufacturers, cultivators actually have to have a license. They're going to have to have a license. And so licenses have started being issued for growing. So there is compliance required to be a legal hemp grower, a hemp processor, et cetera. Guess where there's no real guidance? It's the retail space. And the Wild West is what it quickly you know, becomes because if you think about, um, you know, and I'm just thinking of CBD-focused and hemp-focused stores, like the retailers, right? They're everywhere. These are the kinds of questions I get day in, day out, Brian. Like, oh, I want to see their their hemp license, or I want to make sure they have a marijuana license. And truthfully, this is the biggest misconception. It's that the 2018 Farm Bill legalized CBD regardless of whether it was derived from hemp or marijuana. And it's really critical to understand if it's under 0.3 THC or over. So just last week, the DEA poked its head here because it, it obviously regulates controlled substances. And it went out of its way in its interim final rule to basically point out that, right, hemp is legal and any hemp legally derived product is under 0.3 THC. And, you know, now I get into the FDA. Um, it's a highly unregulated market right now. CBD is not is necessarily regulated. And we can talk to a couple, you know, recent raids to the retailers here, but um, 
you can just see how confusing it is to possibly bank somebody in the hemp space just from what I just said there. Well, not only that, but and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that the rules vary from state to state. So there was and the change. county chain. to county, <laughs> region to region. Right. You're right. So hemp, so hemp is no right. longer a controlled, uh, is no longer a schedule one controlled substance federally, but then at the state level, you know, particularly if you're a financial institution considering, do I do business with a, uh, you know, a hemp producing, you know, company or a hemp grower or whatever, you could, it could still be illegal in your state or it could be illegal in the state where they're operating, right? So from a from a due diligence perspective, what what are some of the questions, particularly around licensing and uh, you know, and, and, and other types of due diligence, uh, that financial institution should be looking at how are they dealing with this sort of, you know, sea of, of, uh, of different requirements on the state and local level. That is a great question. And here's how I've kind of seen it play out is everybody should be asking to see the license, right? If you're a grower, a manufacturer, whether it's in the marijuana space, right? We absolutely have medicinal and even recreational marijuana. And it's an open question if they're getting banked, but there certainly are licenses tied to the marijuana-related businesses. I, for one, know clear my product has those. So now we know there's going to be hemp grower producer licenses, whether through the USDA or at the state level. So my always, you know, you've heard me say this, Brian, but can you get a source record? Can you confirm there's a license? Or what the FinCEN guidance said that was issued in late June was if you can't get that, get an attestation from the customer that they do have one. And that's really what you're looking for in the grower, at the hemp side, the grower, the manufacturer, the processor. So those are who really, it's pretty clear cut, this is going to require a license. Now, interestingly, like I, you know, I love using buzzwords, and I try. In, in the event we ever have <laughs> cocktail parties again, everybody, here are two buzzwords in this industry. Um, the term is hot hemp, and the term is hot CBD. So, what am I talking about? This is really the gray area. This is where banks get concerned because it's so hard to kind of determine if you're at 0.3 THC, right? That that's the determinant if you've moved from marijuana to hemp, right? Back and forth. And as we're getting these derived products, um, hemp, the product, the, you know, the plant, hemp getting grown has to be 0.3 THC dry weight. So Arizona just said in its first year of giving hemp licenses to its, you know, to its farmers, 40% of the crops had to be destroyed because they became hot hemp. They moved up above 0.03, 40% of the crop that was coming out in early 2020. It's mm -hmm. their first year of doing hemp licenses. So they have to destroy crops. The DEA weighed in last week to essentially say, hey, if you're deriving CBD oil and it's not 0.03 THC, we're going to have to talk about how it gets destroyed. Right now, I think it's out in the marketplace. I mean, I just don't think you know what's going on. And there's just so many open questions. I think the DEA's interim final rule they issued last week leads even more questions. It says things like synthetically derived um, compounds are, are never going to be hemp. Um, and, and there's just a lot of questions coming out. But it, I think it all is stemming from what I'm calling hot hemp, hot CD, CBD. Did it go above 0.03 THC, which technically becomes marijuana? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, 40% is a, is a, you know, that's a pretty staggering number, right? So just, 
it indicates that this is going to be a very tricky problem going forward. Um, uh, so outside outside of the hot hemp issue and and the licensing issue, what what are some other you know concerns, um, particularly you know from a from a due diligence perspective or a a ongoing monitoring perspective from uh, financial institutions that might be want to be getting to involve uh, get involved in this space? Uh, you know, one thing that that uh, I've heard in the past, at least as a concern, is a hemp producer, a hemp grower, even a retail retail space, as you mentioned, selling CBD oil or CBD products. Um, are there concerns that they're they're also potentially involved in in selling marijuana related products, selling marijuana yeah. or edibles or that type of thing? Um, you know, is that a concern? Is that something you should be looking at when you're doing your due diligence? I do think these end up being high risk deemed high-risk businesses from that perspective, do they teeter into the marijuana space? Um, it's funny, the names tell so much. So there was just an arrest of Cajun Cannabis, which was, you know, a CBD-focused and hemp-focused store in Louisiana. But, of course, they went and raided and said, you know, THC levels looked well beyond 0 0.03, and they were going to start testing, right? So the exact scenario you're talking about, are they, in fact, um, a marijuana dispensary? They had edibles and other things. And interestingly, they actually had a license with the Louisiana Office of Alcohol and Tobacco Control, to, which regulates CBD products in Louisiana. So you can just see how complicated this gets. But I do think just knowing if there's an overlap, if it's a state where or a jurisdiction where you have both opportunity for hemp and marijuana, right, that's your first red flag. Could this be an intermingled product line? Um, is the company have shared ownership in both types of the business? But then just transactionally, right, is it a lot of cash coming in? It's just like what we saw when we were starting to think about marijuana businesses. Is this teetering to look like a marijuana business? Um, is the hemp store a front? These are the kinds of questions I see where I see customers that use my product, as example, looking at the business principle or looking at the company for other related entities. You know, I need to know all the businesses this principal's in, or I need to know all the shared relationships this company might have with others to kind of make that determination. So those are some of the red flags I've seen. You know, one other red flag that I see is we kind of pre-built the word marijuana and cannabis together to score, to just say, you know, as we search their website, as we search news, we can see these hits. And that, I think, can really help um, anybody trying to do research on their due diligence, you're not necessarily going to find a license, right? We just talked about kind of how wild west it is. Um, but if you really want to know if the company has a corporate record, you definitely want to see their secretary of state record. And then you're probably looking to see, you know, what does their website say? Does it use the word marijuana ever? Things like that. And those are things I know my product can do very quickly, but I just think this space is getting to the the step of kind of looking at that that hemp store to make sure it kind of fits within the risk model. Yeah, yeah, it sounds it sounds like the you know as as you rightly said the uh, understanding the retail ownership structure is really important. So getting down to you know who owns this, what other entities they're involved, that type of thing, because a lot of the ownership, at least in marijuana related businesses. Uh, you know, some of the some of the players and, and the spaces evolved quite a bit in recent years. But in the early days, at least anecdotally, if, you know, I've heard that some of the players in the marijuana space, you know, uh, understandably came from the days when it wasn't legal. Um, and so, you know, a business retained 
uh, ownership from the same people who potentially were still involved in, you know, black market trade type of thing. So getting to that ownership and getting down to, you know, uh, who owns what and what else are they involved in seems like it's a really important piece of the puzzle when it comes to uh, when it comes to this space. Um, yeah, uh, one. Oh, go on. No, please go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think a growth area in general, and it's where the FDA is getting involved, is obviously we've heard kind of the the health um, benefits of CBD oils, et cetera, right? We're really hearing that. That's There's a push to have more testing and just understand the products. And right now, I think only three um, THC or CBD oil or CBD-related products are FDA-regulated, right? They've been approved. But you're starting to see hemp seeds and products, and that doesn't go within the FDA guidance. That's not a drug that they regulate. Um, hemp protein, these are things you're seeing. But that space, Brian, I think that's really going to be the big space. And so knowing that type of customer, right, These are it's not the retailer, it's the manufacturer. That's where you're also looking at licenses and making sure the products within the, the governing guidance, um, but just it's a growing space. What did I say? The numbers were they're expected to be at almost 27 billion in a few years. So you can see why our financial institutions are probably hungry to lend and bank these types of opportunities if right. they meet their risk profile. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the June guidance from FinCEN that did talk about the hemp space, you know, it called out a couple of things that financial institutions could use to, you know, get at that level of risk posed by the customers. One of the things it mentioned is actually crop inspection and, and testing reports, exactly. right? So, you know, down to that level of like, has this been looked at to determine uh, to determine that it is, you know, validly hemp and not tipping over into a, an illegal drug, essentially. Um, the, the other thing that I thought was interesting about that guidance is that it allowed a, a financial institution to to rely on a, a written attestation by the the hemp producer that they are that they're licensed. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, or or they can actually obtain a copy of the license. I'm wondering, you know, do you see financial institutions? that are relying on or comfortable with a written attestation versus ones that say, you know, that's nice, but we need to do a deeper dive because we think this really is high risk. You know, that to me, I, I haven't heard an answer to that yet. And I think this guidance is so brand new, right? We're just all seeing it um, from the summer. But it, I think I can see why they said to attest to it, because it's hard to get the licenses. It's hard to go track down. I mean, ideally, you want the customer to produce a license, but I can't tell you how many fake documents I see in my day, um, doctored documents. So really, you know, you always want to do your due diligence naturally and get your own source record. That's always your best. That's your gold standard in due diligence. Um I guess at some level you have a safe harbor if they've attested to it, right? And you've done other background checks on the customer. Um, but, you know, at the same time, as this customer comes up for review, have they lost their license? Has it been revoked, right? These are going to be other, and these are things Vincent spelled out. These are things our customer, our banks, and our financial institutions are going to have to be looking out for. 
essentially the current status of that license always now. <laughs> right. Absolutely. It's not so a one-time it's thing. Be, um, yeah. Plenty of work. Right. Yep. Yeah. Be, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a growing use case. So that's great from the perspective of there's more opportunity to bank and there's more opportunity to bring in new customers. But at the same time, there's heightened due diligence required. It's a higher risk customer and you can see how slippery slope it gets. So there'll be busy due diligence in my opinion tied to this industry. What types of financial institutions are really getting involved in this space? I know that some, you know, institutions might be or are hesitant to provide services to the hemp industry, but others uh, it sounds like are absolutely jumping in or at least interested in it. So is there sort of a profile of institution that, it, that you see kind of commonly getting involved here? Like when, particularly when, you know, legalization of marijuana was kind of new in states and, and maybe even still today, you saw it was more credit unions, uh, state chartered banks, smaller institutions because of, you know, they, they had less, they had less issues to deal with around the, the conflicts with federal law. Is that similar or yeah. is, you know, is it a different type of institution that you're saying? I definitely have the very first that were interested for sure were in the, the state space, the credit unions, just like you were saying. But truthfully, I feel I've heard it at every level, you know, maybe even in the commercial due diligence side, right? We want to do loans here. Um, so I feel like it's universal where we're getting questions. Do you have hemp business licenses? How can I look at this? CBD retailer is legitimate. These are the types of questions I hear from any type of institution right now, Brian. So, but um, who came, jumped in first for sure, just like you saw with marijuana, state-based um, financial institutions, credit unions, et cetera. Right. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it's a, it's interesting that, you know, these are viewed as such high-risk businesses, but the, the institutions banking them are those that often, you know, uh, at least for some other high-risk industries are perceived as having uh, the, the level of, you know, resources to, to manage uh, or, you know, have big kind of have big compliance programs. But I think one thing that they do possess that some of the larger institutions might lack is that kind of on the ground knowledge of the customer um, and that ability to really know, know their customer because they are in the community and deal very directly with the individuals who, you know, may be running the, the CBD retail shop or maybe, you know, farming the hemp, that type of thing. So, uh, so there, I guess there is an argument to be made for that kind of boots on the ground, direct type of customer due diligence in addition to, to other, you know, kind of combined or coupled with other forms. And sometimes I always say smaller is often more nimble, right? Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's the, it just seems to be the case. The, the fastest to bank, I mean, not looking at how they're doing their due diligence, but it certainly seems that it, it starts at the small end of the market as opposed to the largest financial institutions that I'd be supporting. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. But I think, you know, over time and particularly as uh, legalization efforts increase, you know, it's it's absolutely going to spread. So um, a lot of, you know, as, as you know, as you noted at the beginning, we've kind of come for full circle, a lot of opportunity here, a lot of investment uh, and a lot of growth to come, but still, you know, a number of challenges to overcome. And I think a lot of institutions are kind of watching this space to see what comes next. Um, so really appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks for both the overview of where we're at in the hemp 
and commercial banking space, as well as some really practical red flags and takeaways that financial institutions can look at. So it's always a pleasure, Amanda. Uh, thank you so much for joining us on this one. And we'll look forward to speaking with you again, hopefully in the near future. Thank you.